Welcome to a bonus series on the Life Giver Podcast. Made possible by the USO, these bonus episodes are from a monthly series called You're Leaving Again, where the USO is following Matt and I during our deployment, and we are sharing our authentic story with you. Whether you're going through your own deployment, our geo-batching, on an unaccompanied tour, or maybe getting ready to, this series aims to be the first of its kind. Real life, gritty, but resourceful content aimed to help you keep your marriage and family strong while you're apart. So whether you're a military spouse or a service member, this series is for you. So sit back, grab a cup of coffee, or head outside for a walk and listen in as Matt and I share what we are learning apart with you. Last time on the Life Giver Podcast. Hey, everybody. Uh, Matt is not here with me right now for obvious reasons. Um, If you've been following um, last month's uh, webinar that we did, we talked about the tension before you go. If you guys have not watched that, I would encourage you to go back to the USO dashboard for this series. And you'll see um, we talked about all the ups and downs and all the emotions that you go through before you rip the Band-Aid, which is what we're going to talk about today. So obviously... The Band-Aid has been ripped and uh, Matt is en route. And so he's not in a place where he can join us today. But especially if you are a service member or if you're a spouse that was really looking forward to hearing Matt's perspective, I'm going to be sharing some of the notes and some of the things that he wanted to relay today. Um, He'll join us for that next one. And we're going to make sure that this is just as much for everybody watching. And this is for um, the service member. It's also for the spouse. This is a family perspective on all of that. So Matt and I did lots of talking in the last several weeks um, since the last webinar. And I'm really, really looking forward to spending some more time with you guys today. So we use that phrase, ripping the band-aids. If you've not heard that phrase before, I had to ask my kids this morning, like, do you guys know what that phrase means? Um, So if you've not gone through that, it's basically this whole idea during, especially pre-deployment, where you do have that tension before you go and you have this roller coaster of emotions, which we're going to review just a little bit. But then you get to this moment where you have to say goodbye, whether you're saying goodbye before you're choosing to do that geobatch and having to travel and say, this is it. Like, this is this is what we're doing. Um, but it's that moment of just like, I think in the military community, we use that phrase a lot. How many of you guys have used it, right? Where you go, all right, I've had all these emotions for so long. It's dragging out and let's just get it over with. Like, let's just get the goodbye over with. So this is really a re- kind of revolutionary, I think, for us as a couple, is that going into this as a mission, um, I found myself, it had been a while, honestly, since Matt had deployed. And so I found myself overly dependent, I think, sometimes on him. And he cast vision even for me that this was a time for me to kind of find that confidence again and some things that I needed to find some confidence in. It sets those boundaries for us to, to work on some things that even are just our communication. Like when you're around each other all the time, you start taking for granted handwritten notes or flirting with each other over text or over letters, or you kind of just like shift your focus shifts after a while. So it gives you guys a chance to reset that. And so part of our mission mindedness as a together goal is, all right, what could we work on in our marriage that we haven't really worked on for a while because we've been in close proximity for a long time. So um, that's really good. Okay. Thank you, Matt, for that. Kristen, 
making goals separately and together throughout the time I'm gone helps a lot. Personally, ensuring the goal at work is top priority and making myself a goal can be a few small steps and a large one. Um, let's see. We also have, um, so they're reading a book together. Um, it's a 365 daily read by Dr. Caroline Leaf. Thank you for that resource. Great book that you can read and you can journal on or just read and has small brain activations. So you can almost take these books like this and work on them as a family, right? So you can stay connected on the mission. You can stay connected on being excellent. Like Matt said, you can do all these things because it's the right thing to do, but finding those intentional things that you can do with back at home will not only give you the discussion starters, but will also give you like something to say other than what you do with your day, right? You have a plan going into your conversations. Um, I do want to speak to what somebody said earlier about um, how much information you're getting through emails where um, I'm trying to remember who it was that said, um, <clears throat> Heidi had said getting constant updates and emails um, helps a lot. I hear service members say different things. I would say um, when I went overseas and I interviewed the service members over there and asked like, what do we need to know back at home? Like, what is it that we don't understand that you wish that we did understand? And one of the great things I got from them was they love getting these updates, right? I remember when Matt sent me on my trip, he was like, I'm not going to flood you with too much information so you can stay on mission, right? And what do you know, within 24 hours, he had sent me a long email of everything that happened. But you know what? When I got to that point, I needed it. I needed to know what was happening. It calmed me. It actually helped me read through it, then go be on mission. And the great thing about an email is I was able to come back and reread it and see some of the things that I might've missed because I was maybe anxious that I needed to get out the door that day. So, um, but what they said to me overseas was that please don't send us information that makes us feel powerless, right? If you're going to give us information about a problem, it's, you know, it makes them feel um, even more detached and more, um, more distant if there's a problem and they can't do anything about it, right? So one of the things that translated into was how do we give information of like, I had a really bad day, but this is what I did. I reached out to a friend. I was able to call for support or whatever, right? Um, I know I was personally ill last night. And so um, I needed support and I needed to have a friend go and pick up my son from work. You know, being able to tell Matt, yeah, I'm not feeling well, but here's what I'm going to do about it. Hopefully made a difference for him to know, like, it's not a helpless feeling. He's just getting an update. He doesn't have to worry. He doesn't have to try to jump into solving a problem from a distance because I gave him the solution that I was going to do. Okay. Um, let's see. I feel like my daughter is stuck in the wave. How can I help her climb out of the pocket? Oh, that's a great question, Chani. Okay. And great question, Jason. How old is she? Okay. So she's eight years old. Um, so developmentally, there's different things we can do. Sometimes, I think, first of all, we have to remember on both sides, but this is especially to, I'm going to say the moms out there, but um, dads, you need to hear this too, that it's really important that we don't take our brain and put it in our child's brain as if what they're feeling is the same thing we're feeling. We have an adult brain with a frontal cortex that has is fully developed, which means we have the ability to think into the future. We have the ability to be able to um, think into the future and go, I know after a good night rest. I'm going to feel better. Our kids don't have that experience yet. They don't have the frontal cortex developed yet. So when they are swimming in that pocket, when they're being hit by that wave, it can feel overwhelming. And they don't know when is this feeling going to end because their frontal cortex isn't developed. They can't be able to 
say after a good night's sleep, it's going to get better. Okay. So I think um, it's being able to help her first acknowledge the feelings. Eight years old is a great time to, to go ahead and start journaling. Um, there's different ways you can do this. You can give her a journal where she just talks, um, writes out her feelings and then shares them with you when she wants to. You can also do a thing where um, even as, as eight, like they're not going to write two pages, right? But they might do a paragraph. Um, it also works really well to have like a spiral notebook that's kind of like a journal where she can write her feelings. And then she kind of leaves that notebook. She brings it to you, or she can leave it on your bed, or it's kind of this transition spot where then you can write a response and send it back. Like, I'm not talking about the deployed spouse. I'm talking about you even at home that you can pass this back and forth to each other. It introduces her to learning how to find her, her words and acknowledge her emotions. That's number one. Okay. So it doesn't matter if you're an introvert or an extrovert. It's just how we process information extroverts um, need to talk it out. Introverts need to think on it and find their words. Journaling actually helps both because extroverts are still trying to, yes, they do better when it's conversation, but the downfall for extroverts is they say all the negative stuff first <laughs> and before they get to the productive stuff. And so journaling helps both find their words. And so this is a great time before you even know where is she developmentally for her to start finding her words. And you can even write back and forth or have conversation around that. So that's number one, it's kind of the same process that you can, are there things her and dad specifically can, yes. Thank you, Jason, for giving some great advice. So being able to sit in the pocket of her emotions, process them, and then we can leverage the gratefulness. So you can, you can help her redirect. Okay. So like Jason is saying, there's definitely things that you want to help her take those emotions, acknowledge. I had to do this with my 13 year old today that he felt his emotions. We talked about those emotions. We talked about, cause he was like, you know, we were talking about how, yes, we want to be able to look forward to things and be mission minded, but we also need to also feel our feelings of missing daddy. Right? Yes, absolutely. We're not taught. We're not trying to ignore those feelings, Shani. So her feeling those feelings means that she misses, I'm assuming it's her father, um, but she's missing that parent. Right? So that's, teaching them, even at that young age, it's okay for you to have these feelings. You're feeling connected and that's, and you're, and that piece is missing right now. So it's understandable that you're going to have those feelings and anytime you have them is okay. What we want to teach them though, is that they do have control of redirecting and we can start teaching them, them the techniques to redirect into a productive place where she can turn that into, um, a, a letter to her parent, her, her deployed parent, or um, a video works great for an eight-year-old. You can she can do a video of talking to the parent and saying how much I miss you and all the things that she did this day, and then you know send that video. So there's lots of creative ways we have now, technology-wise, where we can share that in a productive way where she feels like she's making that connection or writing it out and then reading it to I'm assuming dad um, in a later call, right? And then we, we can redirect. So the key here is after we feel the feelings, those are good feelings to have. And then we redirect to a place of gratitude, right? Um, I know I had to redirect my child who was saying, um, but it's going to be, you know, he said like a year, you know, without uh, Matt, without daddy. And it turned out like, well, it's not looking like it's going to be a year. So let's actually kind of, that's catastrophic thinking that kids do. So the redirect was, 
it is painful and it does feel like it's going to be forever. And that's part of the kids like processing this, right? This feels like it's going to be forever. The good news is it's not going to be forever. The clock is going to keep ticking. We are just going to focus on today and what we need to get through today. So what do you need to get through today? And then you transition her into what are you excited about today? What are you looking forward to today? What helps you feel better today? The fact that you're missing daddy and then we can still miss daddy. And we're also still able able to have good experiences too today. And it's okay just because we we didn't we have a moment where we're not sad about daddy doesn't mean that we're not still missing daddy. Does that make sense? Cuz there are some kids out there that might translate that to going okay like just because I didn't miss him for 10 minutes cuz I was focusing on this show doesn't mean that I didn't I don't miss him at all. Does that make sense? It's teaching your kids what are these emotions and how do I feel them appropriately and productively and so it's good for them to understand that these waves just because the wave goes away doesn't mean that I don't miss my dad. Does that make sense? Kids don't understand that. So we tend to put our brain in their brain and we think they know that and they don't. They just know they're feeling a lot right now and that's overwhelming. It's our job as parents to teach them what to do with that emotional flooding, how to channel it in a really productive way, which means you both have to know how to channel your own emotions in productive ways. If you're pushing down and repressing them, you won't be able to teach your kids how to manage them. If you are swimming in the swamps of sadness and you're not managing them, you're not going to know how to teach your kids how to manage them. You have to start with yourself first. And thank you for Brittany mentioning counseling is definitely a great idea for helping kids. Telehealth is great for kids right now. In fact, um, because of COVID, there's so much telehealth happening. Um, counselors are now able to do telehealth counseling with kids that are in school. The kids can go to the guidance counselor's office and do their telehealth session from the guidance counselor's office. I highly recommend that if your kids need it, connect them with a counselor, even telehealth wise during the deployment, during the deployment. Okay. Great time to be proactive. Don't wait for there to be a problem. Be proactive and say, you know what? Maybe I'm going to get a counseling too, just to have the place to learn how to process my emotions and get back on mission. Okay. Um, let's see. I need to be able to find, let's see, some of the questions that you guys have brought up. You guys have been amazing. We have a little bit more time today. Tell me what we need to cover about how to stay on mission, finding your mission. You need to have individual goals. You need to have couple goals. If you have kids, you need to have family goals. Um, like I said, my personal goals, Matt shared his, my personal goals are um, to, to build my relationships and deepen my relationship with my boys. Now that they're teenagers, this is a great time for me to, um, they've been kind of leaning on dad for a while. And so I'm taking advantage of this time to build my relationship with them in a deeper way. Um, and then, um, I know our couple goals is we're Matt and I plan to better our communication and do some things, communicate in some ways that we haven't been for a while. And then our family goals is, um, I know Matt's going to be making some, he wanted to do some more devotional kind of stuff, some vision casting, investing in their kind of spiritual side of things. He's going to be doing that over the next, um, over the deployment. And so that's something that he said he wanted to work on with the boys, but also, you know, he even said to me before he left, he was like, I hope that you will include me on some of the, the decisions and helping with the kids. And that was, and of course I'm going to do that, but I think we just needed to acknowledge that as a couple, like, um, I'm not going to just shelter him completely. And he needed to know how to do that. Okay. 
How do you keep good communication and work on your marriage when dealing with these first few days, these first few months? Okay. How do you keep good communication and work on your marriage when dealing with these first few? Okay. So the first few days, I love how how it was the first few days and then months, right? I think the first few days, I think we just need to go back to crashing and giving some grace that we're probably not going to be at our 100 best 100% best communication um, in those first few days. And so I think part of it is communicating as a couple to each other that um, I may not be at my best right now, but I'm doing the best I can. So if I'm a little quieter than usual, um, I know I had to say that to Matt. I had to tell him like, I said, I told him a couple of times, just because I'm being really quiet doesn't mean I'm not feeling it and processing it. It's actually... I am processing it inter- internally. I just need to make sure I tell you the words that I come up with, right? If I stay forever quiet, that's not going to be good. But I wanted him to not misread my quiet side, right? It was actually my sadness and I'm paying attention to that sadness. So I kind of sit in that pocket and acknowledge I'm about to lose my person for a little while, right? At least the nearness of him. Um and so as far as the first few months starting on that communication, number one, proactively plan as much as you can. I don't know if we still have Matt joining us. He may have had to duck out. Um, and so um, if he's not able to communicate with us, I'm giving him permission to jump in and help answer these if he's still here. But if not, that's it's understandable, right? So um, I think proactively having a plan as a couple um, where you say, what are how are we going to work on our communication? So don't forget communication means connection. All right. When we say I need to work on our communication, it's usually, we just want a better connection. And that means both of you have to, to talk about what is it, what kind of communication makes me feel connected? Because if we just say, I want to communicate better, one spouse may hear that as just talking more. And the other person might be meaning, no, I need to have more in-depth emotional conversations or somebody else might be saying, I want to have intellectual conversations about what's happening in the world. And that's connection for them. So I think we need to, we need to talk about, um, being able to say, um, what is connection? What is good, healthy communication for you so that your spouse knows how to win and get it right. Okay. So being able to actually say, Um, I think proactively, if possible, whether it's over email or over the phone or over Skype or whatever, to be able to say, um, I would like to once a week, at least have a longer conversation with you where we're emotionally connecting or intimately connecting or, um, where we are, maybe those are the times we're talking about what's going right or wrong or whatever at the house. Um, and being just more specific, I think you have to be a little bit more intentional on the kind of communication, if that makes sense, but have a project that you're working on together, a book, maybe that you're reading together, have, um, don't, don't be ashamed or afraid to have some of those table topics as discussion starters, have a list of questions that you can go into those phone calls with when you have extra time, not talking when they're about to go out on a mission and they're on a hurry. Okay. Or when somebody's exhausted. Um, but being able to have discussion, um, pointers when we have a chance. Um, another thing that Matt and I talked about, we were on a walk, um, to answer this question. And one of the questions was, or one of the things we talked about was, um, I told him, I said, um, if you could just let me know, cause I have a tendency to do like a brain dump with him. Anybody else in marriage do a brain dump? Um, I do see the question in the Q and a box, by the way, just so that, um, um, you know, I see it. 
Um, those of you who do like my, like brain dumps, like it used to be when Matt would come home from work, I would just do a brain dump on catching him up on everything that happened during the day. Not, not saying that that's an effective strategy at all, but I told him on our walk, once he's gone, I said, I need you to tell me if it's not a good time for that. If you can, like, I don't care if it's like right when you answer the phone, if you could just say, Hey, I'm really exhausted, or I may not have much time, or I'm not at a hundred percent that would cue me so that I know this is not a time for a brain dump. So, um, a little bit of that, like intentional communication and giving each other a permission to know that you're not going to match up all the time especially when you're dealing with different time zones, right? We're not going to match up all the time. So set expectations in the phone calls or the, the video calls, whatever kind of um, connection you're having, um, set the expectation at the outset. Okay. So being able to say like, what kind of call is this going to be? Right. And if those deeper, more emotional conversations, it's not going to happen today, then maybe we'd be attentive to saying, it's not going to be today, but let's do it tomorrow. Like, don't just put it off forever. Intentionally say when it's going to be. Okay. Let me know if that did not answer your question on that. If you need me to break it down a little bit more. Okay. So um, this is a really great question because some of the biggest forms of conflict that can come up when we are um, apart is, you know, when we're home and we're doing the dance together, this is a specific parenting question that when you are at a distance, you kind of, the service member kind of has to let go and let whatever is happening at home, but you want to stay connected and you want to be involved and you want to still be the parent, right? And then all of our differences in parenting starts to come through, right? When you're at home, it is still a little bit of a dance and it's still, a, it can become conflict. I come from a strengths perspective. I love the strength finder. I do the strength finder with all the couples that I work with because it helps you navigate as a team, how to leverage your strengths at the same time. And what that's done for Matt and I as a couple, especially as it relates to parenting, is I now see how Matt parents out of his strengths and how I'm parenting out of my strengths and why we're different and how we sometimes clash. Okay. Matt is super strategic. So he is um, parenting in a very strategic way to be very kind of cookie cutter and labeling in a way. Um, men who are also service members tend to be very strategic and logical. And so um, kind of coming out of it, at it, like stop doing that for this reason. And we're going to do this this way. Right. Now I'm not saying that that's how Matt parents, because he's got a very warm, compassionate side too. But I have kind of the opposite of that, the, the typical um, female nurturing over empathic type of parenting style where I'm extending a lot of grace and I am um, doing it from the warmth perspective, right? It doesn't, but there's value in both. And that's why when you guys are together, it's great to parent as a team and using the strength finder to see those strengths because it helps you when you're home to be able to lean on each other. And as a couple, sometimes be able to pull away from the parenting for a moment and go, Hey, is this a strategic, a strategic time? Or is this an empathic time? Like which one, how, which way should we go at it with this dilemma that we're having right now? Those are our best moments as parents, right? When we can lean on each other and do the parenting marriage dance one way isn't the right way all the time, right? And so we lean on each other. But when you're apart, some of those um, parenting styles start to kind of like, it's harder to lean on each other as a couple. So my, um, to answer this question, being able to 
Um, lean on each other still as much as you can to stay involved. There are times when I'm definitely going to, if, if I'm reaching my capacity at home, and this is normally a time when Matt would step in and he would lead with his strengths and parenting these young men that I'm raising, then I'm going to still create opportunities for him to step in and parent those boys. If it's something that can be delayed, right? If I can say, you know what, let's bring dad in on this. I think that this would be a great opportunity for him to speak to what's going on here with you guys right now. Right. But if it's not a thing that I can bring him in on, or if it's something that I think is going to make Matt feel helpless to solve the problem, because he's not here to solve it with me, then it's time for me. And this is something that Matt gave me vision casting permission. That was so helpful before he did this so many times before he left, he was, he said to me so many times, and this was so empowering for me. This is, he's like, it's okay that I have to go. This is your time to build a very long lasting, deep, confident relationship with these boys. And there's going to be things that are going to be really difficult for you to parent through, but you can do it and you're going to grow through it. And the kids are going to be better for it because they're going to have to receive it from you. And what that did for me is it vision cast for me that there's going to be times I'm going to fail at it. There's going to be times I'm going to parent, maybe the not the best way, but the boys and I are going to have to figure that out together. So to answer this question specifically, that was me leading up to answering this question specifically. The question is about um, when you're having those parenting different differences, it's very easy to look at the parent at home and say, you know, I'm worried about the way that you're parenting, or I wish that you would parent this way. And I want to first acknowledge, I'm, I don't want to assume the feelings of whoever asked that question, but I, I think a lot of times the question is coming up more, at, first of all, at a place of detachment of this is what I would do and I'm not there. And because I'm not there, I can't do it. And I feel that distance. And so and then what you are afraid, both sides are afraid that if um, one person is parenting, it's going to kind of go on this trajectory that's going to make reintegration really hard because reintegration now is going to be hard when we're trying to reinsert ourselves. And now we have a different parenting style. So as many times as we can do it together as possible is best. However, um, I think we need to, as service members, the best thing I can do is kind of lean on the advice of what I've heard from Matt and what I've heard from these other service members and what I experienced during that small window of time, which was I had to let go. I had to let go of some things that I did not have control over. And I had to say, I'm going to trust that they can do the best job that they can do. And then I think it comes back to a marriage conversation. I think that in private, in your private marriage conversations, coming back together and going, how are you doing? How do you feel like the kids are doing? How are you doing with discipline? How can I fit in? How can I help with that? Um, where do you feel like you're struggling? Um, do you feel like the kids are running over you? Do you feel like the kids feel like you're overbearing? Like talk with me, tell me how you're doing. Tell me, um, whether or not this is working for you. And then, um, and then be a helpmate to your spouse. That's what I would say. Be for your spouse, not against them. Okay. That's another thing that I want you guys to kind of walk away with today. Be for your spouse on both sides, be for your spouse, not against them. And um, encourage them, cast vision for them, help them see the things that they cannot see. If it becomes kind of a disagreement, there may be some things we have to let go of, um, but you need to decide together um, how we will, what's our deal breakers? That's another way I want to answer that. What are your deal breakers as parents that you can say, um, this is not acceptable for our kids to talk to you this way, to treat you this way. So that's a, like a deal breaker when it comes to 
our kind of agreement as parents is this is how we want our kids to be disciplined, how we want our kids to be um, raised up. And these are the lines that kids should not cross. Right. And so deciding on those in advance will help you as your spouse at home is kind of hitting those lines. And, and, you know, I will tell you from experience hitting those lines, um, with your kids when they're kind of fighting that resistance, because all of that repressed emotion, all of missing their parent, um, all of those emotions tend to be taken out on the one parent at home. I hear that all the time. Like, um, the service member is the good guy. And so all those emotions and everything comes back because it's the easiest person to let it all out on. And so on some levels, um, I'm, I think, what I see a lot from spouses at home is that they're choosing their battles very carefully. And so some, some they're not going to fight on and some they're going to be like, Nope, this is the discipline. So just be uh, mindful of that too, because they might be getting hit a lot. And so their discipline or the amount of discipline might go down because you can end up feeling like from at home, you can feel like you're disciplining all the time and you get tired of yourself after a while. So I hope that answers your question. Um, the, someone was uh, going to be on deployment when the first baby is born, any ideas to help us deal with the different stages? Um, I would say, take lots of pictures, surround yourself with really great support. I know in our first deployment, I had a good friend. I actually drove her to the hospital when her water broke so she could have her baby. And we surrounded her. We cleaned her house. Um, we made sure to help take as many pictures as we could help that person stay connected as much as we could. Um, so I would say, First of all, surround yourself with support, surround yourself with ways to stay connected and sharing that as much as possible. And then ask your husband, the person that answered, asked this question, ask your husband, what does your husband need to stay as connected as possible, right? Because that, that's going to be especially, it's it's two different kinds of difficulty here, getting back to two different kinds of adventures. So for you, you're going to be navigating survival mode, right? But for your spouse, they're navigating complete detachment, okay? And feeling that and possibly feeling the guilt too. So make sure you're communicating as a couple to that service member, what do you need from me to help you stay as connected as possible so that you're missing as, as little as possible? And, and take whatever they say as what they mean, okay? If they, if they say, I can, at first I can only handle like one picture a day, like, please don't send me 20. That's too overwhelming. Then, then receive that. It's, it's an overwhelming feeling to feel like you're missing out on things. Receive that as their answer. If they say they need more pictures, then, um, get the support you need to send more pictures. Okay. I hope that answers that question. Communication again is key on that. Um, let's see, Matt had joined us back again and I missed some of the things that he said. Um, <clears throat> Matt acknowledges the first few months are survivals, taking pictures and sharing any firsts for the service member. Know that the very young children don't remember much of the deployment. Yes. Again, we both want to just encourage you guys that your kids are going to remember this less than you think that they will. Now I have teenagers that are going to remember a little bit more this time. This is going to form their emotions and how they handle their emotions and how they express their emotions. We're using that as our mission, right? So we're making this more intentional for the whole family now, but those young kids, um, you know, they don't have to like swim in those deep emotions every single day. Okay. If they have a great day at preschool and if they haven't talked about it for a couple of days, that's okay. They're going to, we're still going to all go through integration. Um, let's see. 
Um, Shawnee says, um, we didn't have a baby while deployed, but just her husband left at eight weeks. It's hard. Take pictures of her. Um, it's okay if they're just crying. They're not always cute photos and the cute and then uncute photos are just as important. Um, short videos to show the deployment. These are all great pieces of advice. I'm so glad you guys remember. I said, I wanted you to share the wisdom. These are all great. So, um, take short videos of their development so that they can see what's going on. Um, one of our memories just popped up in our feed this week. It was so timely that Matt shared, um, of, of me teaching our younger son how to ride a bike during a deployment. And that was so Matt could see it, see him fail, see him struggle through it, what his strategy was. That was super important. All right, another question. Um, let's see, um, other questions. Another question. What are some tips to help a newer married couple get through a first extended TDY? So when this is brand new, such a great question. Um, and you guys are continuing to give great, great support. And I love our village coming together um, during this webinar. So fantastic. We're going to be taking some of these, hopefully these chats, and we'll make them kind of, we'll compile some um, ideas for those of you who are watching this recorded so that you don't miss some of these, this great wisdom. Um, you're welcome, Laura, for the task of us. We're pulling that together. Um, so the question is, what are some tips to help newer married couples get through a first extended TDY? So anytime you have a newly married couple and you're about to be separated for the first time, that's such a great question. Um, I would say, first of all, when you're first married, and I would say I would give this even for the first five years of marriage, there's so many expectations that we have on at on our spouse that we're not even aware of what those expectations are. My advice for any newly married couple from the beginning, regardless of you going through a separation or not, is for you to nail down um, what is marriage to you? What are the roles that you see you and your spouse, um, the roles that you see each other doing in your marriage? And also very, very important because I'm dealing with so many couples who are now going through so much difficulty in their marriage now because they did not do this in the beginning. And we never, we, we don't, we're not taught this. Most of us don't do this in the beginning. And that is what are your rules for your marriage? What are your rules for marriage? Okay. In other words, how does a married couple treat each other? How does a married couple have arguments? How are we going to resolve those arguments? What are we going to do if somebody says, if somebody doesn't follow those rules? That is a huge thing that most couples don't talk about. What do you do when someone breaks those rules? I'll give you a very simple one that gets crossed all the time, okay? You get married and you're saying, you know, we're always going to be the best to each other, right? And then, you know, you start to go through a valley as a couple. And then some, at some point, somebody in the midst of a really intense argument brings the word divorce up, right? Or says some kind of catastrophic phrase and you're just devastated because you didn't even know that that's not something that you thought would ever happen in your marriage. Like we weren't going to cross that line of saying we're going to end the relationship just because we're in a big argument, right? That's one of those kind of like rules that we don't talk about from the beginning, that we don't decide as a couple from the beginning, what will we not do? But then we also have to talk about what are we going to do if that happens? 
Cause that's where couples get stuck too. We get stuck in, uh Oh, we just crossed that line because we were at our worst in that argument. And we didn't talk about now. What do we do? Do we forgive each other? How do we forgive each other? How do we talk through that? Um, how do we set a good, healthy boundary of you hurt me that you, you crossed that line. And now I am dealing with that hurt. And I'm going to ask you to help me resolve that hurt. You've got to be able to have a conversation about what are we going to do? Okay. So if we're talking about a new married couple, first of all, you have to talk about what are your rules? What are your um, strategies and what are your roles as a couple? And then you have to translate that into now that we're separating, how do we meet those expectations as a couple? Okay. So how are we going to continue to meet those expectations as a couple, even though we're separated. If you're kind of, if it's important to you as a couple that we grow as a couple, that we get better and better and better, okay? Then during a TDY, we can now apply that to a separation and go, we said that we were gonna be about getting better. So how do we during a TDY work on it together and still grow even though we are apart. If we said that we were going to be a couple that communicates through our hurts and communicates through parenting or communicates um, our feelings, how are we now going to do that, that we're separated? How are we going to talk on the phone? How often are we going to talk on the phone? Okay. So how are we going to actually um, schedule that, be proactive with that? So the key here is that during an extended TDY, um, we are going to share in the adventures together. Matt um, and some other service members do a really good job of if you are like in another country in a TDY that you're sharing your adventure by not just having an adventure without everybody, but by sending some of those fun things home that you can only find in that country. That's a way of sharing the adventure, right? Um, it is about um, sharing what's happening from home as well. Um, it's about, um, so these separations are going to tend to make you feel like you're living parallel lives. So the key here is going to be how do we intersect them as much as possible while we're, we're separated, right? Um, phone calls do that, video calls doing that, sharing the adventure, care packages intersect, right? So we've got to plan as many intersections as possible to counteract the parallelness that we're having in that experience, okay? Um, Matt's asking, what's your favorite care package add-in? I love that. I think, um, actually, thank you. He's always great at coming up with, um, we usually do this great back and forth. And so when he's not here, um, but that's actually an example of us going back and forth. Fa yes. Go ahead and put in your favorite care package add-in. I'm going to say why, and I'll expand on this as a great closeout. Okay. Care packages are a way for you to intersect those parallel lives and for you to, to um, stay connected, right, while we're apart. And I think that those care packages on both sides, even if you're geo-batching, I hope you're still doing care packages. By the way, service members, service members, if you are listening, Brave Crates was created by military, a military spouse that is a subscription care package box that's delivered to your spouse. And if you don't need family and friends and a million churches in your neighborhood and all the schools sending you care packages, when people ask you, can we send you a care package? Don't be afraid to say, um, I have you know, what I need. Would you mind sending a care package to my spouse and my kids? Okay, um, so share the love on that. But care packages both ways can be a great way to have that part of your mission. 
your mission for yourself, get a care package for yourself, spouses at home, Brave Crates box subscription for yourself or for a friend can be a great mission. You can, your mission can be, I'm going to take better care of myself. I'm going to take, um, I'm going to make a point to serve someone else, maybe another spouse, but your care package to your spouse can now be part of mission mindedness of how I'm going to stay connected in my marriage and stay connected as a family. And we're going to um, be creative in some fun, interesting ways and be thinking on that level. And that's going to be part of our mission to stay focused on being grateful for what we do have. Okay. So let's read off some of the things you guys are coming up with. I love these. These are great. Um, somebody said, my husband loves anything from HEB. Um, now we are in Texas where the HEB grocery store is. So, (laughs) um, I love that. Okay. Um, let's see favorite snacks from home, write notes for my husband to read when he's feeling a certain way. And he writes those for me as well. So I'm assuming this means Trish things like open this when you're sick, open this when you're happy, open this when you're sad. So they're like specific messages. I love that. Great chocolate. I know I send Matt in every care package. We do that even when he's home, like really good, high quality chocolate is what he loves. Um, a photo. One of the things that um, Matt um, Matt mentioned that I'm going to see if it exists is even though our kids are older and they're not coloring pictures anymore, because I was like, what do I send you in a care package? Because our kids are teenagers. They're not like doing little colorings from school. He was like, you know, I wouldn't even mind. Like, I'm going to see if I can find like a puzzle of things that you can color, like blocks you can color, and then you can send it and it eventually forms a picture. I don't know if that exists. I think we can actually even make it and then like cut it into pieces and we'll color it and send it. I think that'd be fun. And that way over time, it builds a picture. Don't you love that idea, Matt? It's not even a surprise, but we're going to make it happen. Okay. Um, let's see. Um, Shawnee says she raids the pantry and whatever's in there that he eats that she can't stand. I love it. I love it. Trish said exactly. I will say from a spouse perspective that care packages get really difficult over time because you feel like you're starting to send the same thing all the time. And so getting those ideas are really helpful and important um, to be able to, don't be afraid to send themed care packages. I learned that at one point you can send like themes when you start to like lose ideas of random things after a while care packages turn into just random things. So um, being able to send things that are themed when I was over there, um, thank you, Trish gave collage.com. You can pick the size puzzle piece so they can put it together and create a picture. It's great for downtime. Love that. Thank you for helping me with that. Um, um, when I went overseas, I just want to kind of give, um, there's different service members, different branches that are listening to this. Obviously those of you who are in the Navy, who are on a ship may not have a giant wall to put a puzzle of coloring collage on there. So everybody has different needs out there. Make sure you communicate for sure. But I know um, when I was in Iraq, um, those of you who just have a small cot and that's all you have, um, some of our female service members were very frustrated because they would get a bunch of stuff, but they have nowhere to put it, right? So it was thinking about, but what they loved were things... they loved smelly good things and they loved things that they couldn't get from Amazon, right? Things that they can could not order for themselves, but they wanted serve, they wanted family members to be mindful of the space that they have. So they wanted things that they could consume um, that they couldn't get easily over there, but they could consume over time and not keep because they can't accumulate so much for so long. So be mindful of where they are um, and and what their needs are. And that's really helpful. So staying connected for sure. 
Okay. So we are wrapping up. I hope this was helpful. I hope you guys have some ideas, but I just want to encourage you guys as kind of like a call to action, kind of thinking forward here when we're being on mission, I just want to encourage you guys that your mission is going to be specific to you and to the season of life that you're in. Okay. Your kids are different ages or you don't have kids. You might be in a career. Your marriage is at different seasons. And so I think that you need to remember that your mission is going to be different depending on what season you're in and whether you're at home or whether you're abroad and you're serving and you're detached, right? The point, I hope the message that you guys are getting today is that feel the feelings that you have because they mean connection. Tears aren't weakness, okay? And especially even for your kids, tears are not weakness. It actually gives them permission to have tears themselves, especially those little boys out there that are learning to have emotions, right? Teaching them that feeling their emotions means that they are um, connected to themselves, to your, you're connected to your body when you have those tears and you have those emotions, that you need to feel them, process them. And then we all need to learn how to then leverage getting um, kind of, out of that pit and doing something productive and that gratitude just happens to be one of those tools that helps us get it out. Okay. Get out of that space, redirect your kids that direction too. So feel our emotions, use gratitude as that leverage, as that tool. Then we need to be about being on mission. What is your own personal goal? What are those things that you want to really strive for change that you've been wanting to change for a long time? I know I told Matt, I'm going to get back to my music again. I actually want to take a class in interior design. I'm terrible at it. Like I really, it takes me years to decorate a room y'all. And you can do that abroad too. Like what is it that you have been wanting to do for a really long time that you've wanting to hone in and be better? Matt and I, talked last time about our, we have mottos for things. And I don't know if he's adopting this motto, but he actually said it and doesn't realize that he said it. And I took it on as my motto. He forgot that he said it. And here's my motto for the deployment. You guys can hold me accountable to this as we go through the series. My motto is do good, be better. That's my motto. I want to be about doing good, which means I need to do at least some kind of act of kindness. I need to be about bringing some level of good in my world, in my home, in my family. It's going to keep me out of that pit, right? Do good and be better. I'm going to, that does not mean strive for perfection. Do you guys hear me? It is not about perfection. It is about me saying, Every day I'm going to mess up. Every day is going to be difficult in some way. It's going to have some level of challenge. But at the end of that day, I want to say, okay, I'm going to pick myself up tomorrow. I'm going to do, I'm going to be better. I'm going to be better tomorrow. Okay. Do good. Be better. I hope you guys um, felt like you got some things today that resonated with you. Um, I will be going back to that listening guide. Um, I kind of gave you in the listening guide, um, for those of you who are listening to this live, lots of places just process and take notes. And then I'm going to be taking this recording and kind of breaking it down and being a little more intentional on what we covered today. So use your listening guide to apply it to your life and actually bring action out of it and be better because of it. Okay. So hopefully you guys got something from it. Thank you for your great questions. Great feedback, great conversation. I hope it makes you feel like I feel right now, which feels like you're a little bit more connected in this world. Um, COVID and deployment and separations and all of this makes us all feel disconnected. And so I just appreciate you guys making me feel a little bit more connected. And thank you to the USO for giving me a place to connect even with my spouse while we're disconnected today in this webinar. What a, hap what a happy surprise it was. A happy surprise. 
Thank you for listening to the Life Giver Podcast. If you're enjoying these episodes, please share the podcast with other service couples that may benefit from the show. If you'd like more information about me or Life Giver, head on over to coreyweathers.com or life-giver.org.